Ephesians. We're going to look at the background first and uh, some of the introduction here. Uh, first of all, who wrote the book of Ephesians? Anybody? Paul, that's right. Uh, he wrote this book. If you look at verse 1, notice in Ephesians 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So, in fact, turn to chapter 3. It says in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. So, it's very clear that the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus, and he is, uh, well, go back to verse 1. Notice Paul, an apostle. And what is that, right? An apostle is, well, first of all, this word is used 81 times in the New Testament. Um, and it means a sent out one by Christ himself. Uh, it's an ambassador for the gospel. It is a, basically a messenger, right, uh, who is sent out. So uh, in Acts chapter 9, you guys remember Paul was... That's the, Paul's conversion, right? He, he became born again. He's on his way to go and, and uh, persecute the Christians, and yet the Lord changed up everything, right? He was so determined that he was going to be pleasing to the Lord by what he was doing, and the Lord knocked him off, right? And it was three days later, and you guys know the story. You can read, do your homework in Acts chapter 9. But he became a believer, and thus he became an apostle at that time as well. Um, because he believed on the Lord Jesus as his Lord and Savior, right, of his life. So um, in a general sense, I would say we are like apostles because we are sent out, right, by Christ. We are messengers of the gospel. And uh, But in when I look through scripture, and I always like to look at definitions of what scripture actually says, uh, and every time I read about what an apostle is, it was always by Jesus himself, right? One who's seen and heard and was there. You look at the disciples, right? They're trying to pick, you know, they ended up picking Matthias, but they're like, let's pick. Who was there with Jesus? Who heard his teachings, right? And then you look at Paul later on, and he's defending his position as an apostle. And he's like, but he brings up, did I not see Jesus, right? And so it all seems to point at to you had to be there uh, to see Christ. So um, very interesting. Uh, let's come to the second thing here is, is the question is, to whom was this book written to? To whom was this book written to? In Ephesians 1, 1, look at verse 1 again. It says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So it might seem uh, kind of, if you're like me, I kind of see two groups here. First of all, notice it says to the saints. So it's written to the saints there in Ephesus, to the believers in Ephesus. But it seems as if it, it, it's also to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus as well. And so this whole letter is obviously targeted towards the church in Ephesus, but it's also for all of us who are believers in Christ, right? That we can, we can draw so much application from it. Um, so it's very, very interesting. But Ephesus, if you guys know Ephesus, you probably know a whole lot more than I do. I had to Google it. I've never been there. I would love to go. But it, it was the largest city in the Roman province at the time. It's modern-day Turkey, uh, boost about 300,000 people. 
uh, back then. So it was huge, a very populated place. Uh, Paul came to this city on his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 18, verse 19. Uh, then on his third missionary journey in Acts chapter 19, and where we're told, actually, Paul stayed there for three years in Ephesus. This is the longest time that Paul stayed at any church plant. Uh, it was in Ephesus that he stayed the longest. And while he was there, obviously he's teaching and training up, and uh, there was actually miracles happening as well, right? Even his handkerchief, like, what is that, right? People were like, oh, look at this. Oh, I'm healed. <laughs> and, and there was so much stuff going on. So much so, it almost seemed like a revival was happening. People were coming to the Lord, uh, but because people were coming to the Lord and making a decision to follow him, they were getting rid of their lifestyles, right, of sin. And so they were, thus, they weren't, they were getting rid of all their idols, breaking them. And the idol traders, they got super upset, right? They were so mad because their prophet was just, boosh, it was falling apart. There was a big uproar in Ephesus. And eventually, they basically kicked out Paul out of Ephesus. He, he took off and... Uh, I don't know if you guys know how that feels. If any of you guys have been kicked out of church, it's like, wait, what? Right? And it's it, it just seems like, what's going on? That brokenness. And I'm, I'm thankful that Paul was able to go through that. But um, it's very, very interesting. He got out of there. And so he went, uh, event, well, we'll get to it about, uh, there, he's there in Rome. But eventually he sent young Timothy to be the pastor over this huge church, which is awesome. And, and the Lord used him there. But Paul, uh, by the way, is not the only one who wrote to the church of Ephesus. Did you guys know, can you guess anybody else who wrote a letter in your Bible to Ephesus? John? Jesus, right? You guys are good. Good job. Um, in fact, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Let's just read it. If you got the Thompson Chain reference, it says the loveless church. So, and it kind of seems like the loveless church. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is writing here, sends this, this uh, letter, if you will, to the angel of the church there in Ephesus. And he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, of Ephesus, write, These things says he, so Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and so the angels, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, and by the way, that's awesome right there, right? He knows the work that they're doing, the toil, the, the burden, if you will. They continue to work on to the Lord. Um, but he says, you know, he, he knows their works, your labor, your patience, right? They're bearing up under that load of, of, of persecution, if you will. And they're continuing to press forward through it all. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. So they had strong convictions. So that's a good thing about the church of Ephesus. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. So, which is good, this church had discernment, right? They were almost like the, um, the Bereans in, uh, oh man, is it Acts 17? Uh, I think it was. But yeah, they, 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 they went back and, and uh, saw what Paul was saying, right? And they studied the word. They went through scripture to test to see if what it, he was saying was true. And the, it looks like the church of Ephesus did the same. And it says, and you have persevered and have patience 
and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So they worked onto the Lord from their hearts, which is a beautiful thing. But nevertheless, Jesus says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly, this is the warning, and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent, this is scary that God would actually say this to his church, right? Um, Very interesting, but, but the main message is just repent, come back, right? Come back to your first love, where it was so beautiful, it was such a an amazing time in your in your devotional time with the Lord, right? Things are just so well, but it, you've you've gone away from that. Come back, right? But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. In other words, there's going to be everlasting life in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So very, very interesting. Back to Ephesians. Um, I wish I could just go through Revelation there. I was a little tempted to, but uh, we're in Ephesians. So let's go back to Ephesians. Let's come back to the third question I have here in the, in the, by way of background and introduction is, um, Let's look at the theme of the book. What's the theme of Ephesians? Uh, And I think it's the mystery of the church. Uh, Paul presents the church in different ways throughout this book of Ephesians. Uh, He presents the church as a body, as a temple, as a bride, even as a soldier. And he uses two words throughout Ephesians that kind of caught my eye as well. Uh, The first word is the word together. In fact, look at... Chapter 2, look at verse 5. Uh, he says, made alive together, raised together. Did you guys catch those words? Uh, in fact, look at verse 6. It, it's the, he mentions the word sitting together. Uh, look at chapter 2, verse 22. He's, he's, he said, uses the word built together. Uh, in fact, he also uses not only the word together, but he uses the word one in describing this church Right uh, 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 in Ephesus, and he look at chapter two, verse fifteen. He says, "One new man." Uh, in fact, in verse sixteen, he says, "One body," and in verse eighteen, he says, "One spirit." In fact, go to chapter four, verse four. He says, "One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all." And, and, and so and so on, right? goes on. But you guys get the idea here. And yet with all these different ways he presents the church, he talks about the unity of the church, right? And so if that's the key theme of this book of Eph- uh, to, to the church of Ephesus, um, being the mystery of the church, being so many things yet still being one, then I would say the key verse would then be Ephesians chapter 4, if you're still there, in verse 4, and it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You guys get the picture? <laughs> He's bringing it together, right? We are the church. Um, let's go back and let's look at the where. Where was this book written? Um, it was written from 
Paul in Rome when he was in prison. This is known as one of the uh, the prison letters. By the way, uh, it was Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And Philemon were the four letters written from prison. So you could do a pop quiz on somebody who thinks they know a lot and be like, so what are the four prison letters, right? Because there is the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy, um, uh, Titus, and Philemon, right? So it gets a little confusing there. But anyways, um, why was this book written? Well, first of all, let's slow down. I'm sorry. When was this book written? Some believe that it was about 60 AD. Um, and why was this book written? I, I think it was a letter of encouragement. As you read through Ephesians, uh, it's not really a letter of rebuke. As you know, you read in 1 Corinthians, it's like, oh man, rebuke, rebuke, conviction, boom, right? And all these other letters. But as you read Ephesians, it's like, man... I'm not feeling that rebuked it, right? It's so it's, it's more of a letter of encouragement to the church. Um, and uh, very interesting. But let's look at the how. How is this book divided? I, I divided it uh, in two sections. Chapter 1 to 3, I noticed that it's doctrinal. Uh, and, and there's a lot of doctrine dealing with our blessing in Christ. And uh, chapters 4 through 6 is very practical, uh, very, very practical understanding, things that we need to know as it pertains to the blessings that we have um, with our duties in Christ, right? And, and the, the works that we do uh, in Christ Jesus. So let's just start with Ephesians. There is some background for you there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Father, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and uh, uh, prudence, uh, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of of truth, the gospel of of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Wow. Are you guys ready? Oh, man. Here we go. Um, Let's start. Well, first of all, let's look at the blessings from Paul. Look at verse 2 again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two blessings immediately that I see that Paul gives us. The first one is grace, right? Charis, used 156 times in the New Testament, means unmerited favor, right? Getting what you don't deserve. And in our English word, we would say it's the word gift. That's where we get the word gift from. Uh, And it speaks of getting what we don't deserve, right? So, um Kind of like this Christmas coming up. You get anything? You know, be grateful. Because do we really deserve it? I don't know. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I do. (laughs) But we don't deserve God's grace at all, right? When you look at what you've done before his presence, uh, there is a brokenness. There is a, uh, you fall apart. You're humbled by the fact that he gives you anything, right? And when you understand his grace that he's given us, man, it's it's like, me, Lord? Oh, <laughs> right? Uh, and then you desire more because you realize how beautiful it is. Um, but there's also the second word, uh, the second blessing, if you will, Paul gives us. It's the word peace, right? Irene, Irene, um, I'm not a good Greek speaker, so forgive me if I say these words wrong, okay? Uh, But it's used 92 times in the New Testament, and it means rest. It means tranquility, right? And I I think we need that in this world today. Uh, But take note that these two blessings that Paul gives, by the way, is always in order, right? It's never peace and then grace, It's always grace and peace. That's the order that we're always given. Um, Because understand, once you have received the grace of God, then and only then can you receive the peace of God. And very interesting. But also understand that our peace only comes from the Lord, right? It doesn't come in our circumstances. It doesn't come with, you know... um, going out and trying to get peace and then, you know, finding peace. No, no, no. It, it only comes from Jesus. And by the way, did you guys know our peace is a person? It's actually Jesus. Jesus is our peace as the church. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. So I love that. And this becomes so important when we come to faith in Jesus Christ because we received his grace, obviously for salvation, right? We know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We'll get to that sometime. Um, and we know in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, that we're, we're saved by grace, right? We understand these verses. But the work of God doesn't stop there, right? It involves peace. And notice in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we need this peace. Amen, church? Uh, If you look on, on the news, there's war going on. There's all this chaos and lawlessness and all of these signs that we were told were going to happen before the coming of the Lord um, are happening right now, right? It just seems like there's so much things going on in our world. And we, if anything, we need the peace of God. And it's him that we need to rely on. We need to trust in him. And 
Paul gives this church a huge blessing, right? Already, he just started and he's already, boom, here you go. And it's amazing. But let's look at now at the blessings from God, right? That was Paul. Here's from God himself. Look, in verses 3 to 14, we're going to see all the blessings that God is just pouring out to the church. And here's a cool little side note for you, by the way. Um, In Greek, this verse, verse 3 all the way to verse 14, is really the same sentence, it's all one sentence, right? Huge sentence. There's no periods, if you will, in the Greek, but it's a, it's a, a running uh, conversation, if you will. But there's only one main verb in verse 3, and it's the word, well, he has blessed. Has blessed is the only verb throughout all these verses here that really stands out. And notice in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed right so there is the main verb from this very long sentence in the greek grammar uh this word has blessed is a speaks of an action that has happened in the past in other words you and i have been blessed we have been blessed wait what right so if we look at the whole picture who exactly is giving us this blessing right um this speaks of really the triunity of God. And stay with me here, right? It's really, really hard to understand. Whenever anybody attempts the triunity of God, it's like, I still don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> There's just so much scripture and so many volumes of things you could go through where it's like, oh man, just ask the Lord to help you contain it. But uh, really, I notice, is speaking of the triunity of God, and, and we are blessed by, number one, the Father, Right, We're blessed by the Father. Notice in verse 3 through 6, we're blessed by the Father, and we're blessed by the Father spiritually. Spiritually, in verse 3, notice in verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. Is that amazing? We have got it made. it's amazing. Uh, in fact, Second Peter chapter one, verse three, it says, "As his divine power, right? This is his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to by glory and virtue." So it was his divine power that has given us all things, right? Everything that you need for this life in this world that we live in, and for godliness and our relationship with the Lord is all supplied through his divine power. Amazing. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 11 says, uh, well, I'll read the whole verse. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Guys, we got it made. Is this amazing or what? I don't know about you, but I get all like super excited when I read verses like this. I'm like, yeah! It reminds me of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, that says, And my, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. I love that. Well, secondly, let's come to the second thing here, is we all, we're also blessed by the Father with eternity. 
right? Notice in verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Amen. Uh, but the Father has blessed us with eternity, right? He chose us before the foundation of the world. That's when he chose us. Is that right? Wow. Uh, but we are holy. We are chosen. We are predestined. We are adopted all uh, by Jesus Christ. And it had nothing to do with our good deeds, our good works, uh, or who we are in a sense of, you know, uh, look at my reputation. I am Dr. So-and-so, or I am PhD so-and-so, right? I am a billionaire. Look at me. Of course God wants me on his side. Right? <laughs> he wants you because of who you are, that you're a sinner, but you're his creation, and he's drawing us back, right? He's redeeming us back, and we'll get into that. But understand, this salvation is open to everyone, everyone. There's a lot of people out there who say, wait a minute, it's not open to everybody. It's only open to these few over here, and they've already been chosen. They're the 144,000, right? They're, so good luck, right? Um, no, it's open to everybody. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whoever, whoever, who's whoever, whoever, right, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a done deal. And uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Joshua 24, verse 15, you guys know this verse, and if it seems evil for you uh, to, to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. There's a choice in the matter, right? Uh, there's an option, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you and have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, Moses says. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that you can choose, in a sense, to be chosen. Uh, so obviously, you can choose to follow the Lord, right? And if you do, the Lord will enable you to continue. And as you abide in him, he'll empower you in this walk that you have with him. He'll, he'll continue to encourage you. Why? Because you're not alone, right? When you are in Christ, you have Christ, right? In other words, you have it all. That's what we just learned in Ephesians, right? We got it made, and it's amazing. So let's come to the third thing here, is we are also blessed by the Father generously, or I'm sorry, graciously, right? It's kind of the same thing. Look at verse 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So, wow, we are so blessed, right? It was the grace of God that made us. It was the grace of God that makes us accepted as a child of God in the beloved, it says, right? Um, amazing. Secondly, uh, we're not only blessed by the Father, and we just saw that, right? But we're also blessed by the Son. And notice from verse 7 through 12, um, Jesus has blessed us, number one, through uh, his 
redemption. Notice in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through our good works. Wait a minute. Are you guys Bereans? I didn't hear anybody say anything there. Come on. You should be throwing your Bibles by now. We, in him we have redemption because we're good people. Wait. In him we're going to heaven because, you know, we believe so, right? So we're going to go to heaven. Isn't that what it says? What is it? In him we have redemption. I'll leave you alone. Let's just read it, okay? You guys are getting all frustrated. Through his blood, amen? The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence or in understanding, right? In other words, we have the wisdom and the understanding that you and I have been redeemed by Christ. And not through the poor, you know, grace, but through the riches of his grace. Isn't that amazing? He's not like, oh, I'm going to jip them just a little bit. Let's make it even harder for them to get here. No, he's going to pour out like crazy for you and give you as much as you need in your relationship with him. It's, it's amazing. By the way, this word redemption, it... it uh, carries the idea of, of paying a price, right? Paying a ransom, if you will. And Jesus Christ paid the price for you and I. Uh, and he, he bought us out of sin, death, and really out of hell, if you think about it. Um, and the price he paid for us, for our sin, was his own blood. It was his own blood. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed, with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And there's a lot of religions that do that today, right? They're, oh, you want to get to heaven? Well, it's going to cost you, right? But right here we know, uh-uh, it's not about your gold and your silver. Who cares, right? It, it, in fact, but with the precious blood of Christ, that's what is uh, paid for our salvation, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It was his blood that purchased us from the penalty of sin and death, and, and, and to escape, if you will, from being punished in hell for all eternity. That's a scary picture, right? So in John chapter 15, I love this, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. Uh, and it reminds me of the, the old hymn, if you guys know the old hymn, what, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, I can't even. <laughs> oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Guys, ah, oh, oh, amen. Church, I, oh man. Jesus not only blessed us with his redemption. But he also blessed us with his will. Look, look at verse 9. It says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will. And by the way, this word mystery, it, uh, it means something that was previously hidden, has now been revealed, right? And in the Old Testament, this revelation was not given, but is, it's, it's now revealed to us, right? And, and notice it says, According to his good pleasure, 
which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So the will of Jesus Christ no longer is a mystery, if you will, right? No longer hidden. And by the way, in the very end, uh, everything's going to come together in Christ Jesus. It's like a puzzle piece, right? Right now we're living in those puzzle pieces getting, you know, put together and sometimes it hurts really bad, right? You're like, Lord, you want me to go through suffering? Okay, right? But in the end, it's going to be a beautiful picture. It's going to be final. It's going to be done, right? And, and when you look, when it's all done and over, by the way, time is clicking, and it's going to click to the very end, right? There's going to be an end to time, if you will. And when God sees that end, it's going to be a picture of his redemption. By the way, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, what is God doing to mankind? It's the story of redemption. He's redeeming them back to himself, right? Because of the fall there in, in the garden, right? Of, of thinking that we got it under control. Lord, I got it, right? I, I want to be like you and, and I, I don't need you. I, I, I want, you know, I want to be my own. And, and, uh, but he didn't create us to be like that. And so he's redeeming us back to himself. And that's why it's so important that we have a relationship with him. Um, so Jesus has blessed us with his redemption, with his will, and now, third, with his inheritance. This is, keeps going, guys. Is this amazing or what? I thought we were done a long time ago. Um, in verse 11, notice it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So our inheritance that we received is based really on the finished work of Jesus Christ by faith, right? That in him, we, uh, the Bible says, um, whoever believes on him shall be saved, Right, and, and we know it's by faith that we follow. Guys, we all have faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. And you all have faith. Some more than others, right? But I think all of you definitely, in fact, this morning you used faith, right? You guys came in, you sat down on that pew. Did you think that pew was going to fall down and crumble? No. You had faith that that chair was going to hold you up, right? That was faith that you had. Now, we have faith in Christ Jesus in his finished work to the very end. He's, a, he's victorious. And guess what? If you're in him, you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You are living a Christian life that is victorious. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But uh, it's all about what he did on the cross. And it's according to his predestination. It's according to his purpose. It's according to his good work and counsel that we are even saved. Nothing is of our own good works. Our salvation is believing in who Jesus is, that he is the son of God, right? He is God come in the flesh, right? Jesus is God Almighty, right? And, and speaking of the deity of who Jesus is, John, uh, 1 John 5, 5, we know that's so important to believe that. And so when you're given the gospel, make sure that they understand that Jesus is God because 1 John makes it very clear that you're not even saved if you don't, you're not even going into heaven 
if you don't believe that Jesus is God. So very, very important. Also, uh, we all agree in what Jesus did on the cross, right? He died and bled upon that cross for our sins, rose again the third day, uh, that we might be saved, right? That we might have that redemption in Christ Jesus. Uh, It reminds me, by the way, of, if you guys are quick to get there, Isaiah 53, verse 5 it says, but in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have churned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That moment he was on the cross, um, he became sin for us, right, if you will. Uh, And I am blessed, and I thank the Lord for that. But notice we're, we're blessed by the Father, we're blessed by the Son. But thirdly, did you know, speaking of the triunity, we're also blessed by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in verse 13, notice... uh, in N14, we're blessed with one thing, by the way, in verses 13 and 14, by the Holy Spirit, and that is a guarantee, a guarantee. Notice it says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So Jesus purchased us by his blood. He redeemed us. And the work of the Holy Spirit is sealing us, if you will, guaranteeing us. He is our down payment, if you will. He's guaranteeing us uh, what? This inheritance that we have in him. And we are God's precious possession. And one day, He's going to complete what he begun in us, right? And bring us to himself in heaven. Guys, what is an inheritance, right? All, all that he, the Father has is yours now. Why? Because we already have the Holy Spirit. We're not complete yet, right? We, but we are complete in him. But one day we will fully, in our, in our glorified bodies, be Complete, But Jesus already said, as it pertains to our sin, upon the cross, which I love the words, tetelestai. It's finished. It's finished. Sin, death, hell, it's finished. Guys, he knows what he's doing, and he already did it. <laughs> it's up to us whether we're going to follow him or not. And it's amazing. Um, when we get to Ephesians chapter 4, it mentions the same thing, by the way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 It says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for what? The day of redemption. And that's the guarantee that you and I have as believers. And by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 
I love that. Please understand, you're not going to go to heaven because you come to church. You're not going to go to heaven because you give more than anybody else. You're not going to go to heaven because uh, you shovel the snow out of your neighbor's driveway, right? You're, you know, being a good person is just being a good person. That's good and great, but that's not enough, right? It, the standard of going to heaven is to be perfect, Right? And people still try today to come under the law, to obey the law to be perfect, but they can't obey the whole law. They try as much as they can in, the, in hopes of, Lord, you see my, you know, I'm really, really good at all these areas, but yeah, we'll look at the other areas. You're, you've been failing, right? Now, I'm not talking about just the Ten Commandments. There's over 613 commandments in the Old Testament. If you're just breathing, you're already sinned. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I was born with this. Oh. But we can't satisfy, if you will, we can't, uh, we can't get to heaven in our own merit. We need Jesus, right? And this is the free gift. It's not just a random, just here's a freebie. This is his life he gave us, right? That we might be with him. It cost him everything, that you might have everything. What a blessing that is. I love that. And, and no, it's not, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, guys. It's, it's when we bowed our hearts before the Lord, right? We submitted to the, to the Lord in our lives. We confessed our sins to Him. We repented of our sins. We believed on what He did upon the cross for us and rose again the third day. Um, and we allowed Him to come in our lives, right? We, uh, we had faith. And we have faith, and he continues to do that work in us, right? It began good, and it's going to continue good and, and finish good, right? Um, so I, I'm just so thankful that the Lord knows what he's doing, and I pray you let his perfect work be complete in you as you abide in him, as you continue to focus in on him and, and, and keep your eyes stayed on him. And guys, this month is a good time to do that, amen? There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on, distractions, but there's also a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, a lot of family that's not there, and, and, and there's a lot going on. But now's the time to look forward, right? Not to look backwards, but to look forward to all that Christ has for us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's stand up and let's pray. I hope you guys are encouraged. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your grace, Lord, and just speaking about the cross and what you did for us. And I do ask, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, reveal yourself to those who may be here who do not know you. Lord, that they would call upon you for help, Lord, and that they, by believing what you did on the cross, uh, Lord, would receive you into their lives, that they would turn from their ways and begin to allow you to, to keep them from those ways and I just thank you, Lord, that you know what you're doing with your church, that you um, are leading us and guiding us, and you haven't left us alone, and you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And so we thank you uh, that you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> we pray for your grace, and I pray, Lord, as we go our way, uh, that we would continue to focus in on our relationship with you, spending that quality time with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen what he's doing and he already did it <laughs> it's up to us whether we're going to follow him or not and it's amazing um when we get to ephesians chapter 4 it mentions the same thing by the way ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 
It says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for what? The day of redemption. And that's the guarantee that you and I have as believers. And by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I love that. Please understand you're not going to go to heaven because you come to church. You're not going to go to heaven because you give more than anybody else. You're not going to go to heaven because uh, you shovel the snow out of your neighbor's driveway, right? You're, you know, being a good person is just being a good person. That's good and great, but that's not enough, right? It, the standard of going to heaven is to be perfect, right? And people still try today to come under the law, to obey the law to be perfect, but they can't obey the whole law. They try as much as they can in, the, in hopes of, Lord, you see my, you know, I'm really, really good at all these areas, but yeah, we'll look at the other areas. You're, you've been failing, right? Now, I'm not talking about just the Ten Commandments. There's over 613 commandments in the Old Testament. If you're just breathing, you're already sinned. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I was born with this. Oh. But we can't satisfy, if you will, we can't, uh, we can't get to heaven in our own merit. We need Jesus, right? And this is the free gift. It's not just a random, just here's a freebie. This is his life he gave us, right? That we might be with him. It cost him everything, that you might have everything. What a blessing that is. I love that. And, and no, it's not, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, guys. It's, it's when we bowed our hearts before the Lord, right? We submitted to the, to the Lord in our lives. We confessed our sins to Him. We repented of our sins. We believed on what He did upon the cross for us and rose again the third day. Um, and we allowed Him to come in our lives, right? We, uh, we had faith. And we have faith, and he continues to do that work in us, right? It began good, and it's going to continue good and, and finish good, right? Um, so I, I'm just so thankful that the Lord knows what he's doing, and I pray you let his perfect work be complete in you as you abide in him, as you continue to focus in on him and, and, and keep your eyes stayed on him. And guys, this month is a good time to do that, amen? There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, distractions, but there's also a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, a lot of family that's not there and, and, and there's a lot going on. But now's the time to look forward, right? Not to look backwards, but to look forward to all that Christ has for us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's stand up and let's pray. I hope you guys are encouraged. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your grace, Lord, and just speaking about the cross and what you did for us. And I do ask, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, reveal yourself to those who may be here who do not know you. Lord, that they would call upon you for help, Lord, and that they, by believing what you did on the cross, uh, Lord, would receive you into their lives, that they would turn from their ways and begin to allow you to, to keep them from those ways and I just thank you, Lord, that you know what you're doing with your church, that you um, are leading us and guiding us, and you haven't left us alone, and you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And so we thank you uh, that you, 
you know what you're doing. <laughs> we pray for your grace, and I pray, Lord, as we go our way, uh, that we would continue to focus in on our relationship with you, spending that quality time with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.